Hello and welcome to episode 1011 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, February 8th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. I like how you switched it up there, like, afternoon instead of you're about to say this morning. I, 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 I was preparing. It's I was still ready. technically morning for me. For, for, for you, yes, yes. But it is, uh, we are starting a little later than normal, so it's afternoon for me. Um, we got we got time limit. We're, we're on task, so we're jumping mm-hmm. right in. We're doing potential leapers on the mound today. We talked about a bunch of mid-round guys last time out that are hitters who could make a potential leap um, and, and kind of hit that next level, hit a new level of stardom. Today we got a bunch of starters, five different individual starters, then a four-pack from a given team, and then four relievers who are going in that same range there. And by the way, I'll, I'll set you up right now for that closer one. If your answer is none, that's fine. Because at this level of closer, these are the guys that can go either way. Like, remember when we drafted Camilo Duvall here and he's the sixth inning guy? Or remember when you got Scott Barlow there and he has 32 saves? So it can, I think they can go either way. So feel free to answer none on the closer one if that's your actual answer. But first, we were talking about something offline. And uh, I said something to you about uh, where a player had gone. And then you, you countered with where somebody else had gone. And then you said... You think this guy's a first rounder? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I, I adore this player. This is one of my literal favorite players in the league. His first round, it was about Ozzy Albies. Now, the interesting thing is, I can hear, even though it's weird how the time space continuum works because people who are groaning have not heard this yet. And yet I can already hear them groaning because there's an Ozzy Albies anti contingent out there. And you know, they just rolled their eyes when I said that. Do but, they still exist? Because they've I mean, taken so many L's. That's the thing. They're so difficult to find these days. Yeah. Greg Blankenship, I'm looking at you, my man. <laughs> that were, I, were the, was the Siege the other one? Siege, yeah. where are you at, dog? Yeah. I gave I him a little raz after the end of the year. Nothing to, you know, it's all friendly. We had a little, little back and forth there on Albies at the beginning of the year. You know, you know some of those are going to come back around every time you have some March disagreements. You know if you come out the wrong way on some of those. They're going to come back to you in October. So, of course, I had to do a little little tweak at the end of the year after they had gotten all over Albies. But it's a 30-20 season, Justin. 30-20, mm-hmm. 100-100. And the 259 average, we have said it all the time, not as awful as it feels normally because averages have lowered. So that 259, not going to sit here and tell you it's great, but it certainly wasn't hurting you. And we know that there's average upside with Albies because he's a career 273 guy who's hit as high as 295. And so the reason I've always loved Albies, power speed, uh, high end of the order for lots of runs, dropped 100 ribbies. That is slept on. 86 in 2019, by the way. And then um, the 30-20, like, it, it's just such a strong line. Is 25-year-old Ozzy Albies a viable first-rounder? I think he is. Um, I mean, where – I mean, maybe the, maybe the power regresses a little bit and he's more of a 25-20 guy. Okay. Um, I can live with it. But I think if that happens, it's going to be because his batting average comes back up. Uh, so you know he, he did he did sacrifice a little bit of contact for the added power. Yeah. So I think that and I think that was a conscious decision on his part. But we're talking about a guy who just went thirty twenty and is twenty five years old. I mean, yeah. I like the more and more I think about it because 
you know, you and I are in a draft right now that's moving super, super, super slow. Uh, it's fine. It's Stop. not that bad. It's not as bad as the other draft. I mean, yeah, draft yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's going at a medium pace. It's yeah, not it's, going it's, very fast, but it's not crawling either. Yeah. The first day was a little brutal, but it's, it's picked up today. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I had pick 11. Um, and when it got to me, Kyle Tucker was like the only guy left in my queue, right? Everybody in my queue had gone um, after putting 11 names in there. But I kind of wonder if Ozzy Albies is a better pick than Kyle Tucker. And everyone is pretty in on Kyle Tucker as mm -hmm. someone down at the turn there for sure, myself included. But you bring up this Albies thing, and again, I tout myself as as a big-time Albies guy, and yet I hadn't considered that because you said somebody took him at 10 in the draft. And I said, mm -hmm. 10? Why do that, though? Just get him in the second round. I think you're right that that's your last chance to get him. So if you like him enough, to the to the point, the, uh, the spur of this discussion was – uh, Raphael Devers going nine in my league. I think it's the same mm -hmm. sort of thing, different profiles. So don't, we're not arguing Devers versus Albies so much. We're arguing more. If you want that guy and you pick nine or 10, which is where the person who picked Devers is. And I am, that's your last chance to get like a Devers yep. or, or an Albies. And so it feels, you know, I think people are very uncomfortable to jump out and get their guy like that. And yet I think the best players are very comfortable to do that. Even if it ends up being a mistake even if they ended up jumping, but that was the guy they were confident. They didn't just take who the ADP said that this is going out and actually getting a guy and saying, Devers is my dude. He's 341, 110 is what, uh, you know, Jeff Barton maybe thinks. And that's why he's going for him. He thinks he's Vlad. He's like Vlad Jr. Jr. You know, mm -hmm. just a little bit worse than Vlad Jr. Um, and so he's going to get him. If I take Albies here at 10, I think it is my last chance to get him. I, I see nothing wrong with possibly doing this. And I think one of the things we need to stop doing as much, because I, and I know I fall into this trap, is like, oh, the market says that this guy isn't a first rounder, um, and that I can get him in the second round. That's just well, a misuse of ADP, which we always it, say not to do. And it is. And if you believe that a guy is a first rounder, then you also believe that the market is wrong on a number of different players, and it's likely there will be another one of your first rounders in the second round. Yeah, so get get the go get the guy who is the guy you prefer. And um, I am I, not that I was ever down on Albies. I've, I've been an Albies guy, I think since the beginning, this um, has been a very pro Albies pod dating back to, you mm -hmm. know, put me on him. And I just, I ran with that. I always credit, you know, as, as the Albies guy, but I, I joined that train the millisecond. He, uh, he drove by me yeah. with it. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've just, I haven't been wanting to put him in the first round, and I think that's a mistake. And I think moving forward, um, he is in that kind of middle to back half of the first round conversation with guys like Kyle Tucker, uh, you know, with, with some of the pitchers I would be taking back there. Because honestly, I I would take him over Bryce Harper. Um, and Bryce Harper is securely going in the first He's round. firmly a first rounder, yeah. and I love Bryce Harper too. And I think, I think that that's – where I'm at now, too, and you know, you talk about Tucker, and he's somebody who can range as low as 20, so he's in that same uh, movement there. And again, we don't see Tucker in the same way we see Albies, and I think that that's wrong. I think you're right to suggest that the similarities there are I mean, I th substantial. I think that Tucker and second base, I think, well, I, 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 yes, and no. 
Uh, but I think Tucker is is upside is greater. Like I think there is a potential for like a forty twenty kind of season in Tucker, you know, with a good batting average. But I think the floor is a lot safer with Albies. Um, you know, Cunha's going to be back. I think we all, in spite of the Freddie Freeman rumors going, you know, of him, yeah. uh, of Mark making the run, I think we all kind of assume that he's going to be back in Atlanta. He's going to be hit on top of that lineup in that park. I, I just, I think that floor is so much safer. And the one part of that, why, but why is it safer? Kyle Tucker, excellent play skills, breakout season, age 24, same age, you know, going to be age 25. Just track record. The lineup. I know he's got a longer gonna be track hitting, record. going to be hitting he, six. Tucker's a, a premier prospect too. He's only hitting six. No way yeah. they got no. Look at roster resource, buddy. That, that's if, a if projection. They, if, if they keep if they keep the lefty righty lefty righty, he he may be batting. He should six. be batting second. Okay, I I get out of here. I agree. I completely agree. But that's not where they had him last year. So we you know we either go by projection or we go by what they were doing. Where did he bat last year? Did he bat six? Yeah, he bat six and seventh pretty much all year. That's disgusting. So, um, you know, and as much as that may change. He's got to move up. Yeah, he's got to move up. It absolutely may change. And, you know, I mean, this is why it's a little bummer that uh, we're not getting spring training probably as early as we normally do because spring training lineups would be be the way for us to go, oh, look, they've got the full lineup in there today on March, you know, 17th, and it's, you know, Tucker batting second. Yeah, you know, yeah, or Tucker would, batting fourth or whatever. That would give so. us some. I, I think it's second or sixth, though. I think Alvarez at four yep. makes a lot of sense. So mm-hmm. that is something. Again, I, I would still push back that the floor is much higher. I think Tucker is a very stable floor. Love what Albies does, though. I just think they're neck and neck. I'm, I'm less about splitting them one way or the other. I'm saying more they're neck and neck. And I used to see Tucker as being a little bit of a cut above, even though they've been going in the same range. Like Albies um, has gone in a few first rounds. Um, he's about two picks lower than Tucker on the ADP here. Let's see Tucker. Oh, well, a little bit, a little bit lower than that uh, with the average because Tucker's range is high as five um, since the, since uh, January 1st. So I think it's something to consider if you are picking back in, in the latter half of the first round and you love all the Albies, that number one pick might be your only chance to get him. And with the production that he's put up, I think he has number one viability. He's a workhorse who's played, you know, 684 plate appearances each of the last three full seasons. Doesn't strike out. Can take a few walks there. Um, batting average, upside, power, speed, excellence. And, I mean, here's my argu- my other argument for it. So let's say you are drafting. For instance, I, I drafted 13. It's a draft. I end up doing a, uh, a pocket aces uh, just because I want to try it out. But let's say I was deciding between, you know, I want Albies and I want a pitcher, right? Mm-hmm. Now I can take Scherzer at thirteen or or whoever my you know target is at thirteen, and then hope Albies gets back, or I can just take Albies and know there's about three or four or five guys who are going to be available in the second round. There's going to be you know Wheeler's going to be there, Bueller's going to be there, uh, you know it's likely Scherzer's going to you know one of those guys at least is going to make it to me. They may not yeah. all make it to me, but one of those guys at least is going to make it to me. So give me there is no other Albies, you exactly. know, right? Like unless, the next- unless you think Altuve is going to start stealing again, which I, I don't rule out that he can, you know, put some more steals up than than is expected. But I think Albies is the better bet for yeah. There, there, there is no like 
second round corollary Valerie's. Yeah. Plus, if you wanted, you could start Albies and then take Mullins and just just blow your draft out of the water. You don't draft Mullins in the second round. How I think that's been you. proven. I'm so angry. I think that's been proven. So angry. <laughs> Look, I, I realize should. it's a little, you know. Uh, He's better in the third round if you can get him there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I don't have a problem. You know, I talked about this on, uh, you know, we did the whole meme yesterday because you didn't take him at, at in the second round there to go Tucker Mullins. So I took him at, at my pick nine uh, in the second round. And, you know, people wanted to be like, well, what what, what about the projection? Like, let's, let's memes aside, what's the deal with that pick? It's like, it is a little bit high, but I believe in the projections. I'm surprised by some of these number outputs here of like, why is uh, and it has to probably it has to go with my knowledge of understanding how projections work and they're put together but i don't understand how the atc dollar value is like 16 dollars, and then the hq one is 30 and then the stats between the two are so limited in differences and i understand it's like what the adjustments are and all that but like how is it that far off because i look in the um i look at the projections on our site None of those bother me if I get that from Mullins. And I know he has the upside to drop another 30-30. And I'll just I'll take my 2020 as kind of a baseline type of deal. Not a floor. The floor is still lower than that. But as a baseline expectation, give me the 20-something, 20-something that all of the projections have. But why is that $16, $15 on our auction calculator and 30 for HQs? What does HQ have as average at? Uh, let me pull it up. But, like, it's... It's not. The, I think it was a few points higher, like two sixty nine. But that's not enough for half. half the it's price probably difference. a combination of the average and the RBIs. Be, be my guess. No, because their their RBIs and runs are lower in oh, HQ. Wow. It's a two sixty nine average. So it is. Um, ATC was what I was looking, or was what we recorded I mean, in that tweet. That's consider eight, can, but eight points is a lot. Not for fourteen dollars. No, no, it's not I refuse. $14. Especially when the runs and ribbies are lower in HQ than ATC. The only key difference in favor of HQ is an eight-point boost in average. That can't be $14 of value. I know it has to be the way the dollars are calculated, but that is such a stark difference. I think we need – maybe I just need to do the knowledge, get the knowledge myself. If if you look at ATC's projections, and I tweeted this out yesterday, there are four players who are projected to have 20 or more home runs in 25 or, or more stolen bases. So how's that only $16? I like don't that's know. such a rare commodity, though. I, I, this idea that we should be fading Cedric Mullins because, you know, coming off a huge year, uh, my, my my boy, my buddy, Bubba uh, Entrekin was all, you know, you know, I don't want to I don't want to pay for it coming off the huge year. I'm like, you're still you can't find that projection, right? And True. I, I will, I will just, say this in, in defense of, of Bubba's notion. Simply fading last year's breakouts is a perfectly viable strategy. You will not go broke off of it. Some of them will stay great. Robbie Ray may stay great. Cedric Mullins may stay great. But if you just fade them, that is a winning strategy. If you just uh, avoid them. Yeah, I know you're shaking your head. Why isn't it? Regression always wins. If you overall just avoid paying the premium. It's a lazy guys- strategy, to be honest. It's a lazy strategy. It's you know, it's It's not doing your due diligence in terms of realizing why these guys broke out or why they didn't or you know or uh or i think that's why too, they will regress i, I think know, that's too severe I, and i don't think i'm not calling bubble lazy uh kind of listen to this um but you kind of said he's a punk and, made bitch which i yeah, thought i was harsh for you to say se- I, I disagree second, personally my second favorite podcast duo bubba and the bat flip uh 
I wonder what but, they ha would have to say about this. <laughs> I've been listening to all that. But yeah, days. I, I, I think I think just fading Mullins just because he had a breakout year and not wanting to pay the extra price, like it's hard. It's hard to find twenty five stolen bases. It is hard to find that. Yes, you know, and so like, but if he just chooses to go a more stable route with it, as opposed to the guy who popped up literally out of nowhere. Again, I don't think it's a losing strategy to to avoid the, the breakouts who spike up into the top five rounds. I'm not saying I do. I don't do it. I drafted Mullins. I've drafted yeah. Mullins twice already. You, so you like took, you took Otani Mullins. Yeah, like so hello. I, I did the direct opposite of yeah. that. So and I'm Buxton. Not, I'm not advocate. Yeah, I, I'm all about you know hype players at, at at times. I don't exclusively draft them. That draft I kind of did, but um, honest honestly. The Buxton one, I had my auto on this morning just so I didn't time out in case it got to me. I was really hoping that he wasn't going to be the top guy because he was there in there. He was the lone hitter with a bunch of pitchers, and I should have just reordered it a little bit better because then I ended up getting him, and now I don't have a starter yet. Now, in fairness, I pick his oh, three And picks. Lindor. And Lindor. You took like – No, Lindor's the opposite of that, though. Yeah. This Lindor's is... a, a last year's bust that I love. Like, he, he's yeah. the opposite of the other three guys. I'd love this draft if – I'm really interested to see how you fill it out with Otani because I've had a hard time pulling the trigger on Otani in the first round. Uh, it wasn't easy, but I, I, I was at a point where you were, too, where all the guys I, I was really zeroed in on. I'm super glad were, you did because I really wanted either made, Burns or Tucker and had you taken – Would have made your decision either, harder. Yeah, if you had taken either of them, I would have had to take, like, Albies. And it would have right been one there. of them. It, it was those three 100% my mm -hmm. consideration in that order, Otani, Burns, Tucker. Um, and the reason I didn't take Tucker was because I was thinking um, – I. In fairness, I was thinking maybe Betts or Trout get to me because I thought the Salinger at Team 11 would take Cedric Mullins. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, maybe if he doesn't go said. And then when you didn't take him, I thought maybe you weren't doing it because of um, you wanted to see like where he falls when you don't take him type of deal. I've been getting him in the third round. And yeah, so and he does I go in the third round. I should have thought about it more. Because but I get two picks before Yeah, before there are too many. Deep, and Matt Williams got two picks too. And yeah. I know he's big on Cedric Mullins as well. So, so, so. four picks for us before you pick if, again. If I had thought about it from that context, of who is in my draft, I probably wouldn't have passed up on him. But I also didn't really want to start outfield, outfield. Fair, so fair. Especially if you like mid-tier outfielders, because then it's not so much that that's bad because you can never go wrong getting two power speed studs. But it can kind of limit you sometimes when you're trying to get your your next big Tyler O'Neill type guy in those mid rounds because you already have three or four outfielders so mm -hmm. quickly you're like do i take a fifth now do i take a fourth yeah so i hear that but anyway we have to hustle be here because mm -hmm. we haven't even started on our main topic but i love that discussion about albies um we're very pro albies and i'm very curious to hear people sound off on whether or not they think he's a viable first rounder because i think he is i think he is too. all right potential leapers we talked last time hitting leapers just guys in the mid to late rounds looking to take a big step forward it's a bit nebulous you can kind of define it how you want it's a know it when you see it type of deal um so let's start with logan gilbert as a potential leaper, the uh, Seattle standout arm came up last year, had a really nice debut season, had some ebbs and flows in it. You could definitely see that sort of rookie progression as he was kind of figuring things out, displayed an amazing fastball. Things had a little, little wonky there, so he wound up with a 468 ERA, but a 387 Sierra with a 117 whip, 25% strikeout rate, 6% walk and 12% swinging strike in his 119 innings. Uh, this sets up nicely to go at least a buck 60 next year, or we'll, we'll say 162 because that's what it takes to get qualified. So it looks like he should be a qualified starter this year, barring 
you know, any unforeseen issues health-wise. Can the 25-year-old Logan Gilbert take a leap this year? And if so, what are you really seeing uh, out of out of the right-hander in Seattle? I think he can take uh, a leap forward, but people are paying for him a little bit like he is. Uh, with, yeah, there's so a, there's, there's an tax. expectation. Yeah. Uh, let me get let me give that price. Pardon me, I should definitely set that up with the price. He is the fifty something ith pitcher. Pardon me, should have had that. He's the 59th pitcher. That includes relievers. I'm not going to do the count right now because that's a little bit deeper. But it's the 155th pick and 59th pitcher, including relievers for Gilbert. So you know it's it's not it's not a nothing pick. You know you're putting some mm-hmm. draft capital in there um, in the 11th. 10th round area he goes as high as 91 that's his min but his max is 276 so those could both be outliers and he might live in the 110 to 170 range for the most part but either way is it something you're willing to pay in the in the draft that we did at fpaz bat flip crazy the aforementioned toby right. got him pick 131 which would have put him as the like mid forties pitcher. So what do you think with Gilbert? Is this price, are you suggesting that this is too high for you or? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit too high for me. Okay. Um, especially with the amount of balls he puts in the air. Uh, I do worry that the home run difficulty we saw at times last year will continue to kind of crop up. Now Seattle's a great place to pitch. Love that. I'd like to see him rely on his curveball a little bit more. Uh, he only threw it like seven or 8% of the time. Uh, I think it's a pretty decent pitch and I'd like to see him throw it a little bit more. Uh, that being said, like I can see like him definitely taking a next step, and this is why people are willing to take him as a top 40, top 50 pitcher. Mm-hmm. I'm just not quite there with the market. So I'm going to try to get him in a league just so I can have uh, – oh, you're on deck. I'm on deck. Uh, uh, I'm going to try to get him in a league or two um, just because I do like the talent, and he's a fun guy to watch. But at the same time, I'm not going to – if the price continues to rise, I'm probably going to be out. Not to uh, not to call you out, but just to do a little fact check here, we have him. I have him at fifty. You have him at forty-eight among starters, which suggests that you'd be okay with the market price because if you eliminate relievers, mm. he's probably somewhere in in that range. Um, is that going to facilitate a change? Now you didn't stridently say, "Oh, I hate him. I'm not going to get Logan Gilbert." You said it's a little pricey. Is that something then that that you think maybe he needs to to dip down a little bit more? Um, you've got him around. Let's see, uh, the next five behind him are behind Logan Gilbert are Marcus Stroman, Lance McCullers Jr., Sean Mania, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Patrick Sandoval. One of whom we're going to talk about here. Does it re- require a move down, or are you okay with where Gilbert's at? You just are being cautious about getting too many shares of him. Yeah, I think it's more about being cautious. So let's see. Uh, anyway, I did do a small update. Uh, I'm going to say some people in the industry, I'm going to shout out to uh, MLB Moving Average, who has been doing kind of rebuttal podcasts where he listens to some of his favorite podcasts. And then when he doesn't like something uh, or doesn't agree with something, nothing that isn't like, he respectfully gives a counter argument. It was um, awesome. I listened to that right mm-hmm. when he sent us the one. Sorry, I'm going to let you finish your point. But uh, And I, I actually had typed up a tweet response. It was one of those things that I didn't finish it. Because uh, I want to do some more research, I left the tab open for like a week. And so, uh, instead of sending the tweet a week late, I just DM'd him. I said, "Hey, the rebuttal pod is a fire idea." Because again, it was very respectful. It wasn't trying to drum up clicks to say like these people are stupid. It was like, "Here's five things around the industry I disagree with." Great way to kind of mm-hmm. 
keep building the the community. So I thought that was awesome. Continue with what you were saying about yeah, and I mean the way he does line. it is very very respectful. It's not you know we're friends. Me and me. Yeah, and it's not trash talk. It, it, um, it's it's yeah. banter, which is fun. I, um, he kind of turned me around on Gallon a little bit. Um, him and, and and Dave McDonald have both been kind of pushing at me on Gallon, you know, and kind of the injury rest coming into the season. Um, you know, uh, and pointed out that he threw he threw more I think innings uh, than any other pitcher in the second half after he came back from that injury. So I'm, I don't know that I'm going to quite get to the market on Gallon, but um, I definitely pushed him up. Uh, yeah, so I've got Logan Gilbert 48. He'd be 42 if you took out all the relievers. So okay, you did, still, you did that. Thank you. Uh, the, well, the beauty is you can just sort by the ADP on our little ranks document. Oh, yeah. Great, great, great. And you can just kind of check that he's, you know, That's why I left that column in there. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, he's about 42nd in, in ADP, and I've got him about 48th. Uh, so I'm just a little bit below the market, which doesn't mean I won't get him. They'll be leagues where he drops yeah that's perfect um, then i don't think that requires a move then that that checks out with your feeling on him that you believe logan gilbert can take a step forward but you're not seeking it out to say this is one of my big leapers of the year i definitely want to be cautious with some of these younger guys though who you know jumped up a lot of innings right um Absolutely. you know there's an article recently that uh i can't remember i think it might have been bubba actually pointed out that max scherzer was being interviewed and talking about like he's not worried about like kind of the more experienced arms in terms of those guys, you know, struggling from the jump from 2020 to 2021. But some of the younger guys who haven't trained their arms as well may have some struggles. So I want to make sure if I take a guy like Gilbert, I, I have a pretty safe rotation at the top to kind of pair with him. I think that makes a lot of sense um, because, you know, it's, it's not guaranteed. I think there are going to be the avid Gilbert believers that are like, yo, he's ready. And and it would surprise me zero if he took a massive leap. Mm-hmm. I'm more I'm I'm with you really because I'm I actually have him fiftieth among starters, which means I'm right there. That's a little bit behind the market, but not so much so that I can never end up with him. And because we do multiple leagues, we can always look at this through a different way of like getting shares of a guy versus investing if you're a one or two league person. And so keep that in mind. We're always talking from people who do you know uh, 10, 15 leagues we can diversify our portfolio, so to speak. And I know some people don't like when you talk about it like that. I, 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 I do like thinking about it like that though, just breaking up um, how I'm getting these players. Right. you don't want, I don't try to get like one of everybody, but I don't want like the same five guys on every team either. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to balance it out. So Gilbert could wind up in our portfolios, but it's not going to be something that's, that's uh, overstocked. Let's talk Ranger Suarez. It's been a while since we brought him up. So I want to come come back to him a little bit and get a little bit more uh, discussion on him as far as really where you're at too, because I think I've kind of made it known that um, I'm 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 a bit in. I'm not fully in, whereas um, I don't know that anybody is to be honest. I think a lot of the community is out though, so I would say I'm more in than than the general community. I've got Ranger Suarez. Well, maybe not. I got him as my 56th pitcher, and you actually have him 47, so I'm full of crap. Yeah. I, I hate him, apparently. Yeah, you do. Um, so Ranger Suarez is 64th among pitchers. Let me do the ADP thing real quick and figure out where he is there. Um, I, so I think it's going to be uh, – it's going to make me look way 51. out on him. 50, 51st pitcher. And what did I say? You had him at 47? I have him 47. So I'm a what little are, bit above the market. Okay. Um, 
But he's got. I, I'll have to double check, um, and I can do that very quickly. Uh, and I got him fifty sixth, so I'm not way off the market. But I thought I was a little bit higher than where people were. Were actually okay. I didn't think I was higher than the market. I think I'm higher than the the fantasy industry, like the the the, the circle that we run in. How mm -hmm. about that? And he's I'm, actually dropped in ADP from when I updated this. This ADP doesn't surprise me because so he, he's, his ADP since the beginning of the year is one seventy six. So he'll be a guy that I, uh, which would probably drop him around. Oh, let's see, I can actually do that real quick. That would drop him around pitcher 55, 56, something like that. Um, I like Rangers Horace a lot. I was really I impressed too. by him. Like, uh, he's not a guy that, you know, I think often we see guys move from the bullpen into the rotation or vice versa. We see the the reliever version is the one that gets all the strikeouts, right? Yes. They, lose, they lose them. He didn't lose anything. Um, it's very reminiscent of Carlos Carrasco moving out of the bullpen in Cleveland into the rotation and just keeping all those gains. Um, and I mean, that's that's a that's a good pull there. And Philadelphia didn't baby him, man. They they said we're you know that's we'll let I you like. build up a little bit, but we're gonna let you go. I mean, he was pitching seven innings. Did he pitch nine at one point? He had a shutout. Yep, he got yeah. a shutty. And that's what I really liked. And listen, I know uh, like the big counter in the community has been from Nick pointing out the, the schedule. It was super easy, no doubt. You only but, get to face who you get to face, though. Like, that's how I feel, too. And he was and he was so exquisite that like nobody's saying he's a 136, 1.0 ERA whip combo, right? So that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Like Judging him uh, as that. Uh, well, of course not. And by the way, Nick isn't. No, he's not saying that he doesn't like him because he doesn't mm -hmm. think he can put up a one whip. But he is concerned about um, how good the fastball was. It allowed too few homers. But again, that regression is coming, sure. But I look at, at like ATC at 381.28, and I think he can beat – I think Ranger Suarez can beat those marks. Mm -hmm. And those are the uh, – actually, the best ones are Zips, 379.124. I think I think Ranger Suarez can beat those marks even. I think it can be like a mid threes with a high one teens, low one twenties whip and yeah. um a strikeout per inning type deal, twenty-three to twenty-five percent range. And I'm I'm down for that. I don't know. I think you have to look at those the results there and give him credit for how great he pitched, even though yes, that level isn't sustainable, but a a, a good level seems pretty sustainable to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, the swing strike rate, uh, rate went up last year to 11%, um, so kind of in line with what he was doing in terms of striking guys out. Uh, yeah, it's not, I know it's not the best place to pitch, but, uh, you know, Rio Moto is a good catcher. He calls a good game, so I'm I'm in on Ranger Suarez. He has got one of the widest ranges of ADP uh, that you'll see. His min pick since the beginning of the year in DCs, 94. His max pick? 280. Wow. So I would love to get him 280. Are you kidding? I've been in drafts where he just drops and drops and drops. Um, I'm and jumping like, in there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you start seeing him go outside of like that top 200 picks. And I, I think he's just, he's like a perfect dart throw. It's like, if it doesn't pan out at post 200, you just move on to the next you, guy. You, but you're not really getting hurt there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's a big beef for some folks is how high he can go at times. And yeah, a double digit pick. No shot for Ranger Suarez for me. That's too high. But you start getting like 150 and beyond, and, and I'm I'm starting to be interested. I moved him back up. I moved him back up to yeah. 48. Um, I'd moved him down a little bit, I think maybe in reaction to 
all the negativity I'd seen, I was like, maybe I am a little too high, but now I'm looking at this group here. I'm like, they've got questions as well. So why don't I go with the guy that I think was so exemplary and, uh, and move him back up. I actually got him back up over Gilbert. I mean, throughout the minor leagues, he did not give up home runs. Like this is a guy like who just did not give up home runs Yeah, and doesn't walk guys. And now he's added strikeouts to that. Like I, I, th- I think the biggest question is what do we think his innings total is going to be? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he gets like one, 160. Uh, I was thinking like 145, 150. That's something fine. Like that. I'll take that too. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah gonna, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe I am pushing a little high to say 160, but what do you throw one year? One or last year, 120, 110? He threw 106 last year. 106. Okay. Yeah. So I think you're right. I think I'm 145, but I'll take that in that range, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's, you know, Absolutely. I was so impressed that he went from, the closer to the to being a starter like that and pitched so well like when that happened i was like uh what and i only held on to him because i'd already had him for the saves and i was like i'll just see how this goes and it went so well that i was like okay cool so yeah ranger suarez we like him um i understand some of the pushback to be concerned about how good he was but i don't think i don't think anybody's really saying he's quite that good that's just one of the if we thought he was that good samples yeah he would be a double-digit pick he'd be 20th yeah he'd be like my 20th starter or something but i don't think that i just think he's a top 50 starter Mm -hmm. and i think he gets credit for what he did there yes it's a it was an easy run if if you have some innings horses yeah he's he's a great setup for for teams like that Mm -hmm. all right speaking of nick pollock we we briefly mentioned him during that um this is one that i know he would fully agree with patrick sandoval um nick put me on patrick sandoval a few years ago at uh, first pitch Arizona. He was talking about him. He was like, you know, whenever we go to first pitch Arizona, we see the, these presentations, you know, that Eno does and Nick or like an Alex Chamberlain and many others. I'm just naming a couple off the top of my head. And they do these presentations. You know, they're always going to have some gems for you, right? They're going to do something like, I made up this metric. And of course, you know, DeGrom and Scherzer and them are at the top, but look at this guy. And you always know there's going to be a couple guys like that that, that stand out that they want to highlight. Well, Patrick Sandoval was like that in Nick's um, in Nick's presentation that year, and he highlighted him as somebody to keep a close eye on. Well, then the pandemic season hit, and it was a disaster. He gave up a bunch of homers in thirty six and two thirds innings. It was just it, nothing great, except for the thirteen percent swing strike rate was still there, and the walk rate. There were still a few things to pluck, even from the ugly thirty seven innings during which Sandoval allowed a five sixty five ERA. Well, then this year happens, and he took off. Now, it was only for 87 innings because of health, but the strikeouts went even higher, 26% strikeout rate, 15% swinging strike rate, 362 ERA, 121 whip. Home runs came down to a manageable 1.1. I can live with that, not the 2.5 and 1.4 of the two samples before that. But the stuff was there and nasty for the 25-year-old lefty. He had 32 swinging strikes in a game. Nick even got a shirt made from it because that's how insane a performance like that is. That's that's Scherzerian type stuff. Like that's insane for Patrick Sandoval. He's the 80th pitcher off the board. Pick two eleven. I'm in on this big time. How do you feel about Patrick Sandoval yourself? He's got four pitches that he throws more than ten percent of the time. Uh, they're all personal. Um, he only gave up three home runs in the second half. He got better as the season went on. Uh, Man, this is hard because the talent tells me this is a potential top 30 starter. Um, but the back, man. That's back, it, back issues are scary. Scaring the crap out of me. 
Like I, I have him. I think fifty second right now. Yes, um, you have him fifty third. I got him forty third. He's the fifty ninth starter off the board. So we're both we're both over the market. In a fifteen teamer, I probably am not going to take him. You, in you a twelve think... teamer, I or a team or a league in which I have a a, a large IL. Sure, I'm going to take the gamble because there's going to be replacement value. But you I don't just... think the two eleven pick is an it covers enough of of the injury issue there to to make you confident to take him. Like like because obviously w- without that risk he would be what. 80 picks higher to be honest maybe, maybe yeah. not 80 but like like 60 I, I think i think he'd be four rounds higher if he didn't i have him in my injury tier like it's mccullers manaya erod sandoval like it's that is, like that is it, an injury tier it, it's it's guys with huge upsides and injury question marks yep um and he's going way later than all of those guys uh yeah, no, I think I think he, I, 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 you're right. I think he is worth taking at at the price because of just the upside. Like I said, like I, if he were to throw a hundred and eighty innings, um, I think there is a reasonable chance that he could be a top twenty-five, top thirty starter this year. Uh, yeah. So if, if you're looking for that gamble, that's it. But make sure the rest of your pitching staff doesn't have those question injury question marks. Absolutely. Because there's a chance he only throws another 80 innings. Yeah, you don't want to be stacking up, you know, Sandoval and Kershaw and Darvish and mm-hmm. Scherzer as your ace type of deal. You start to see a through line there where you're like, uh oh, what you know, what's what's going on there? So you got to be careful with that for sure. Totally agree. Um, now he didn't return, and that's we and that's that. the that's the bigger issue yeah. for me. Sandoval it, did not return after the back had, injury. If he had missed a month in August and came back and had a strong September, um, I yep. feel really good about it. Um, but him not returning at all, and now we have no and now update. a tenuous yes, yeah, exactly, exactly, and exactly. that's that's the part that's really scaring me. I I may move him down a couple spots. Honestly, um, it doesn't mean I'm out, but. I don't know how I rationalize taking him over a guy I really like in Steven Matz and a guy I really like in Alex Wood and a guy I really like in John Means. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not going to sit here and talk about Patrick Sandoval's health and tell me you're going to take Alex Wood. Alex Wood finished here strong. I know. That's the difference. That's the difference. But that's in the short term. We still have to look at the body of work on Alex Wood and his health. We're looking at the body of health. Right well, now, it, 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 the injuries still count. Is they, they do. still count? And that's why, if I if I knew he's that he's only Alex threw Wood, a buck thirty eight. If I knew Alex Wood was going to be healthy this year, he'd be much higher than this. That's fair. Um, you know, if the if I could if I could sprinkle a little bit on both Alex's Cobb and I, Wood, I would have him twenty five picks. Yeah. I, I put them together, sixty eight and sixty nine. Speaking mm-hmm. of, by the way, in a twelve teamer, get pick nine to have. Pick sixty nine, just so you know. So I'm putting KDS um, at nine from mm-hmm. the main event. Second, so I pick sixty. I'm pretty sure you do that in a fifteen teamer too, right? The fifteen team. That's what I said. Oh, I think or so. if I said twelve, I meant fifteen. Yeah, yeah, in a fifteen 12. teamer, get pick nine to have pick sixty nine because I, I have pick sixty nine right now that I need to make. Oh, um, and are you on the clock? Yeah, it's it's good. Who are you taking? Or no, I already t- I already took oh, pick sixty nine. Why would you take a ninth rounder in the fifth round? You're such a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm on the clock. Now you pick, you dummy. 
Oh. Why don't you pick another catcher? Clown. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I, I, I dare you to pick another catcher. Take Grundahl. Have the baddest baddest ass catchers ever. I'm only partly kidding, by the way. I'm like egging you on, but like that would actually be kind of sick. Nope. I'm gonna do something. <laughs> I'm gonna do something even sicker. Let's see. Oh, that is sick. I love that. Yeah. Just yeah, Mondesi in the fifth round. I'll, I'll take that. Tucker, Wheeler, Iglesias, Realmuto, Mondesi. Like you got a bit of everything going. Like it's it, you're covering everything, including mm-hmm. your risk. You got some risk in there. Well, but- especially because I know, like, again, this so this is the whole thing. It's uh, we were talking about earlier with Albies. Like I can look at the board and go, okay, there's Logan Webb still on the board. Freddie Peralta still on the board. Jack Flaherty still on the board. Musgrove still on the board. Jose Barrios still on the board. That's why one I took Gallegos, one by of those, the way. One of those guys is going to make it back to me in the and next I'm hoping round. one gets back to me, too, so don't don't uh, take mine. Because, I mean, I know I'm discussing with somebody who can, who's picking ahead of me, but you're going to take mm-hmm. one whether I say this or not. But I'm, I was looking at the same exact thing of, like, I need a starter. You didn't even need a starter as much. You have an ace in Wheeler, but mm-hmm. I don't have an ace. But I was like, Gallegos has a much better chance. Jokes aside, I know you like this Coleman ninth rounder, but with the way closers are going, Romano just went. And if you don't think Romano and Gallegos are the yeah. same, well, this is why I took Iglesias in the third. I yeah, just wasn't and, with and he's a lockdown mm-hmm. forty guy. Um, but no, I like the Montesi pick a lot. So I have Otani, Mullins, Lindor, Buxton, Gallegos. You have Tucker, Wheeler, Iglesias, Romuto, Montesi. Anyway, there was a little, little draft update there. We're in the triple play fantasy league. It's been a lot of fun. And then I got to mm-hmm. make this number one pick. All right. So bets are Albies, number one, 10th uh, pick overall. Albies. Should I do an Albies build? Let's do it. And then let's send Jeff Zimmerman into a tizzy when I do this. He's going to be like, why did you take Albies in the first round? Take Albies. I did it. I did it. Nice. Right, we got to move. <laughs> Moving All forward, right. I'm doing an Albies build. Um, next up on our board is Joe Ryan. Now, I've kind of given my thoughts on him. Uh, I don't want to say ad nauseum, but we're we're approaching ad nauseum territory. Everyone knows I'm I'm big on him, and the main reason I am is I think he's fully formed. Basically, he comes to the league ready to go. I don't think there's a ton of development that needs to happen or that will happen. I think he is who he is. He came up last year for those 26 and two thirds with a 30% strikeout rate, 5% walk rate, few too many homers at 1.4, which kept the ERA up at 405, but with a 0.79 WHIP. He did not have major home run issues in the minors. In the high minors, it started to trickle up near one. I can live with a 1.0 because then he can still have a sub three ERA, especially with the strikeouts and walk that he has. He has an insane fastball. Not that it's insanely fast. It's 91, but the deception uh, and movement on it for, for Joe Ryan is incredible. So normally you'd look at 91 and be like, this guy has no margin for error. Be careful. That's just not how it's been with him. He's had amazing strikeout and walk rates coming up through the minors. This is one of those guys that I think comes to the league basically fully formed. I think he can put up um, 100 in like 160 innings of a mid to high three ZRA and a really, really good whip. He's one of those guys. Think of Joe, Joe Musgrove before the breakout when he would always have those great whips and then the, the ERA would be a little bit wobbly. I think he can beat the ERAs that Joe Musgrove put up when he was in the low fours and beat that down to like a 3.7. But I love Joe Ryan. What say you, good sir? I like Ryan a lot. Uh, and, and I agree with you in terms of I think he is fully formed. I like the fastball. Uh, the homers, man, the homers are a problem. Uh, Small sample, dude. 26 innings. Relax. Uh, yeah. 
That's... It was 1.0. I mean, he had nine innings in AAA with Minnesota, 57 with Tampa Bay. So you add it all up, it's probably what, like a 1-1 or 1-108 or something that he had um, in, in AAA this year. Like, again, if you're not walking anybody, and when you have this kind of command he- or control-heavy profile, we, we've seen this with guys. His, his teammate Bailey Ober kind of fits this mold too. That you can have a little bit of a home run issue for sure by kind of mm-hmm. having more control than command. We've talked about this a lot. I'd like to see him maybe, you know, be okay putting a guy on base. Yeah, we, and we, we talked just, about this before. This was the uh-huh. Bieber thing, and he learned. I, I, I kind of trust that he can get better there. Like, with, I, I it, think that's in the way in general comes. I think the thing I like about Ryan, and, and, you know, we're talking about a lot of guys who have like severe upside, but also some real downside. Yeah. I don't feel that way about Ryan necessarily. Like I have him as my 60 something pitcher. I think he's probably like, he tops out as like a top 40 guy. And, but like, I don't think he's going to be any worse than like a top 70 guy. Like, I I feel like he's one of those, he's not like a, I don't think he's a guy like people are going to go, Ooh, ah, the draft table. But I think you're going to look back at the end of the season and go, this was a really good, you know, fifth or sixth starter. So, so you don't see a leap into stardom, but you think no. he can be a, a pick value based on where he's going and yeah. just give you some solid quality mm-hmm. innings. Yeah, I think he's gonna like return like an extra like three, four, or five bucks worth of value from where you draft him. You know, he's not gonna be a ten dollar extra or tw- you know, twelve dollar extra earner. But yeah, if he earns three, four, five bucks, I think you're gonna be happy with it. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with picks like that. I agree. Especially, especially when you feel like the floor is pretty safe. You know, that Minnesota rotation is atrocious. You know, he's going to get to continue to pitch no matter what happens. Like, he could give up 10 home runs in his first two starts, and like, and they're going to be like, well, we got nothing else. We're, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. He, so, he, he and Ober could, could go through that. Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober could go through that. It's a good division to pick, pitch in. Exactly. Um, um, you, for a fly ball guy, it's a really, really good outfield defense, which I do think, you know, helps him. And, and then he gets to go to Comerica and Kaufman, two parks that shouldn't mm-hmm. exacerbate the home run issue. Now, be yep. careful in Chicago, of course. Um, what about while we're talking about Minnesota pitchers? Do you have any love for Dylan Bundy on the on on the on the free on, on the free price? I, I guess because he was so free. bad last year. Like yeah. he is, he is uh, pick four forty seven. I mean, it's it's free. I mean, I've always been the anti-Dylan Bundy guy. I know. So, like, so I was wondering if you've changed now that he's nothing. Yeah, I'll take a dart throw in like the 40. Slider's still really at. good, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm such a sucker for and, him. And again, it. Minnesota's rotation is so bad, like he's going to just stay he's in the that ace. rotation. Exactly. Like, they're, I think they're just hoping they can, you know, do something and flip him at the deadline. That, that would be ideal for them if they don't so. figure a way to like – piece this together and, and get back in the mix they have they a good they have their enough team is talent. not that bad that's exactly a, yeah. exactly that, that's yeah. why i said that like if and all the, of a sudden ryan ober and and bundy are like capable and they find a, a decent back end guy to eat some innings the the offense is certainly good enough to be a contender again mm-hmm. without yeah. without especially like bringing jose miranda get him some bad bats see if kiroff and larnack go off buxton stays healthy in the dream world i mean there's things that could happen. But anyway, Joe Ryan. So you don't see quite as high, but you're not out on him. I still think like with that super, super spicy whip that if he can keep the homers in check sub one, then he can make that big jump via the ERA. But for now, plan on him 
uh, as somebody who can help stabilize your whip. So if you've got some whip issues and you're taking some guys that have like a 360 whip or excuse me, a 360 ERA, but like a 130 whip, take Joe Ryan to balance those guys out um, and enjoy that with a little bit of upside. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Huascar Enoa, who is somebody that um, I find super intriguing here. And I'm, I'm curious by the market and how they feel about him because it doesn't seem like they're that interested in Oscar Noah. Um, he's been trending down. You know, he had a weird season because he came out, he was dominating, then he fought a wall and the wall won. Uh, when As he punched he usually it, or, does, yeah. yeah, or table or whatever it is, he hit something in anger, broke his hand, really, really derailed what was hap- what was a breakout season. Ended up, you know, they won the World Series. Imagine if they'd had him. Maybe they would have had an easier road through, but he was basically unavailable to them um, because he wasn't great down the stretch and then he wasn't pitching in the playoffs for them. But there was a lot to like at that beginning portion of the season with his fastball slider combo. Now it is a two pitch mix, but he wound up with a 405 ERA and a 111 whip and 100 strikeouts in 91 innings. He's 24 years old. Can Oscar Noah make a, a real leap this year? If he's healthy, I think okay. the biggest question mark for me is, is that shoulder healthy? Um, you know, I mean, he, he was taken off the the postseason roster because of that. So Yeah, which not not related to the... Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, dra- I drafted him at FPAS prior to him being taken off the roster um, and felt fantastic about it. Um, I really like him a lot. I'd really like to see a third pitch develop. Yeah, I think I think that changeup is good enough, um, and he did start throwing it more at times. Uh, so you know he had a few games where he threw it ten percent plus, fifteen percent of the time, stuff like that. So yeah, if he's healthy, I think he is uh, a really really good gamble where he's going. Um, again, he's in my injury tier of guys yeah. for that reason, and you just can't take too many of those guys. That's so. fair. That's fair. You got him fifty eighth. He's mm-hmm. a 67 starter off the market. I got him 42nd. I got him up there with Patrick Sandoval. So I I, I got him in an injury tier too. It's just an, a higher injury tier than you. Yeah. I have Kershaw and Noah Sandoval. If I knew he's healthy, he'd probably be up towards that spot. But uh, and I and originally in my ranks, my first run, first couple runs of ranks, that's where I did have him. But the shoulder, yeah, I gotta push him down. Like because I understand. Like I, I I can't. I can't push back too much on that and say, you know, don't have any caution. Um, but but I like him. I, I wish we could get some more clarity on, on where he's at. And obviously we're going to have to wait on that because it looks like spring is going to be delayed on some level. Mm-hmm. So where we would normally get information on that, maybe in like a week when pitchers and catchers start reporting, uh, it will be delayed. And that's awful and annoying. And I hate it. <laughs> All right. Next up. Now we're going to a team here. And it's a team that loves producing uh, pitching leapers. They've got guys breaking out left and right. And these guys have all made a little bit of noise. But I want to know who might take take it to the next level next year from Cleveland. And they have four candidates here, right? Bieber's at the top by himself. But then their, ne- their other four guys are all guys who they have their believers. And their believers think that they're going to be amazing. And then they have their detractors who say, this guy's no good. Like they, these can be some divisive guys. It's Cal Quantrill, Zach Plesac, Aaron Savale, and Tristan McKenzie. Four Cleveland Guardian pitchers. 
Who makes the leap for you? Who's your favorite here to take a big, big step forward in 2022? Mm, a big, big step forward? Yeah, like a leap, a jump. Because, well, I mean, because that that's, you know, depends on like what you mean by it, because the one I like the most is Quantrill. Mm-hmm. But it's not a big leap. He just needs to repeat what he did last year. That would be a big leap, though. Yeah, I mean, um, and, like, I'm okay with that. I'm not saying he has to like better his not like he had a 289 yeah. ERA and a 118 WHIP. For him, a breakout would for me. I think even a leap would be just basically doing a, a low threes ERA for 180 innings with 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 yeah, that WHIP. I, I like think he doesn't he, need to best his 289 ERA. Yeah, I think he's like a mid threes ERA guy with that kind of WHIP, like a 120 WHIP. Like um, proving it and saying last year was mm-hmm. real would be the leap for him. It's a, it's a little bit of a different scenario. Uh, and like I said, these guys have each had some taste mm-hmm. of success, and that's a pretty big sample of success. 150 innings for for Cal Quantro. So yeah, I would define his leap. Uh, it's a little bit different, but it would be like here last year was. Very legit. Here's a mid three ZRA for 180 innings. Yeah, I think the only guy that I'm completely out ish on, and I don't know that I'm even completely out on him, is Savale. Oh, no, I think so, it's Pleissack. Yeah, Pleissack is so. Oh yeah, I guess it. But he's going super late too. Isn't he's he? going 85th. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the nice thing about Pleissack is I just think he's gonna pitch a lot. I yeah. should probably bump him up a little bit. Yeah, uh, I got him at seventy eight, and I don't even—I lo- wouldn't even say I love him. I just—I I just think he's going to pitch a ton. Get, yeah, you're just yep. going to get a lot of innings from Pleissack. Um, it, it should be with a good whip, even if mm-hmm. uh, even if the ERA struggles because of the homers. Yeah, I'm just wondering what happened to all those strikeouts we saw in 2020. I just—I—I yeah. I think they were always, you know, just—it it was just a hot run. It was—it mm-hmm. was never—it was never "quote unquote" real. Yeah. Probably. I mean, look at look at look at the competition he was facing, and in the pandemic season, and going only in the central. You know, Tristan McKenzie. We know he's kind of the most talented in the group. It's about health with him. Um, what's yeah. your outlook on him? Where, where do you, I think we talked about him somewhat recently, so we don't have to we go have, too much. Yeah. If, uh, what, if we could sprinkle the dust on him, not to, you know, I'm, to I'm running out of health dust. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have a couple. I only have a couple droplets left for him. Because I mean, he's the one who I could really see like jumping up into that ace type player. Yeah. Like he has ace type skills, um, but he's built like you, which yeah. is literally a problem. Like yeah, on, so. on it, I don't know what his height and weight mm-hmm. are currently, but on the websites where they're listed, six five one seventy is literally me. Yeah. So, so um, I love him days. when he me is too. healthy and on the mound, and it seems like this is going to be the year where Cleveland stops kind of messing with him and just let him. You know, let him actually pitch in the majors. Let's see what we to, got. Yep. As opposed to just sending him back down to the minors all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I haven't really ended up with many of them. Quantrill, I've ended up with a bunch already because he's just going way lower than I've got uh, uh, where I've got him ranked. But um, I, I think I want to get some more McKenzie shares. I, I, I think I want to take a shot here or there on McKenzie just because the upside's so great. But again, another one of these guys. You can't draft him and then draft Patrick Sandoval and then draft Alex Wood. You've got to just know what, yeah. Yeah, you've just got to make your pick and go, this is the guy for this draft. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Because he's going 232 for McKenzie, which, you know, covers the injury risk. That's mm-hmm. why he's so cheap. But if you stack those guys up, you're going to wake up yeah. on like May 3rd with four red suitcases to four key starters that you, you know, like, how'd this happen? It's like, well, you drafted four super 
uh, high injury risk guys mm -hmm. and injury risk. You know, we talk about this a lot too, where it's like, it's hard to define uh, exactly how high it is versus a guy who's relatively healthy. He can get hurt too. But you know, with somebody like McKenzie who's had such chronic injuries that there is heightened risk, mm -hmm. uh, a name to remember in Cleveland, Cody Morris, minor mm -hmm. leaguer could be their next big thing. Had nasty, nasty numbers this past year at triple and double a, um, huge, huge strikeout rate, passable walk rate, nasty swinging strike rate, super difficult to hit. He's 25 years old. He could make a big jump next year too. That's Cody Morris. I still have a little bit of intrigue on uh, Eli Morgan and Sam Hentges too. The freaking Cleveland Guardians, man, they got pitching for days. And because some of these guys are risky, it is good to know that they have some backups there that can come in and and, and be the next guys if a McKenzie gets hurt uh, or anybody else, by the way. He's not the only one who has injury risk. All of them do because they're pitchers, and that's what mm -hmm. pitchers do. They get hurt. All right, last one here. This We're shifting to the closer. The mid-round breakout closer. These guys are all going around where those starters were. So I just want you to pick one if you have one. If you Again, a suitable answer is, I don't think any of these guys really take a leap, but you might like one. Camilo Duvall for your Giants, Joe Barlow for Texas, Scott Barlow for Kansas City, or Gregory Soto for Detroit. Those are either the named closers in the in the case of Soto. A.J. Hinch said he's going to be our guy to start, or the expected closers as for the Barlows and uh, Duvall. Who do you got, if anybody? I'm not driving any of these guys. You're not um, you're just out on the group? I, I mean, I think the right answer is probably Duvall. Though Joe Barlow is somewhat interesting just because the rest of that Texas bullpen is pretty god awful. And he was so pretty bad. darn good uh, last season and is a good place to pitch. So I think I will probably have Barlow on Joe Barlow yeah. on more of my teams than any of these other guys. But if you're shooting for a guy to end up as a top 10, top five closer this year, Duvall is probably the right answer because the skills are so amazing when he's on i just don't know that i trust that he's going to be the guy i think that exactly i, I just think there's too many other arms there um and uh it, it's not like a you know don't trust kapler because i think kapler proved to us that he will go to a guy and stick with it i just don't know that it's going to be Duvall. yeah I, I don't know that we can promise that it is either we don't have any clarity there you know, you mentioned Joe Barlow. The other Barlow, I got some pushback. I had Joe ahead of Scott, and I got some pushback in my ranking about shouldn't you know Scott is the better Barlow was the 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 uh, comments, and I looked and I'm like I can get behind that though. Uh, Scott Barlow, you talk about you know a good place to pitch, not a ton of competition. There's some guys there that could definitely do it. That might be like a don't fix what isn't broken thing. Scott Barlow got 16 saves last year with a 30% strikeout rate, 242 ERA, and a 120 whip. Whip running a little high because of his mm -hmm. walk rate mostly, but he didn't allow homers, 0.5 homer per nine rate. Um, Josh Stomont's there, and they're always seemingly cultivating quality relievers. So it's not like there's no competition, but Barlow did his thing. He's 29 years old. I'm interested. I'm intrigued by Scott Barlow, and it was because my my comments section put me on him uh, a little bit more when I was looking at it after I posted, and I had Joe Barlow ahead. They said maybe Scott, and I had him 2021, so it wasn't like how dare you, you know, diss Scott Barlow. It was just that they thought he was the better of the Barlow brothers, and they're not actually brothers, by the way. 
They should but, be. But they should be. Let's make them brothers. Yeah, I, yeah. I could see Scott. I, I really just don't want to play in this tier that, that much. Like this, is... And that's fair. That's like You've been getting Iglesias a, a bit already. I know he's kind of your mm-hmm. go-to guy among the elites. What do you do after that, though? When you get your established elite, what is your game plan for saves in these like draft and hold scenarios where you got to get everything at once? Uh, Finnegan, Trevino, Ian Kennedy, um, those kind of guys. I, I, Ian Finnegan... Kennedy's your spec to get a job somewhere, right? Yeah, I think he's this year's Mark Melanson. Okay. The guy who comes in and just like you I think know, Mark Melanson is this year's Mark Melanson too, by that, the way. That too. That's it. But he goes he goes a lot, a lot higher. Uh, Ian Kennedy is dirt cheap, and if he gets a job somewhere mm-hmm. um and he has that capital C closer, which we roll mm-hmm. our eyes at, but it's still valuable because managers and, and GMs I I, I think I think Kennedy probably ends up in San Diego. Um could see that. He's been and, there before. And, yeah, take o- takes over that kind of role or, or role similar to it. So, yeah, I mean, I just – I would rather wait and take a shot on a guy that I feel a little bit more confident is going to hold the job uh, all year or just is way cheaper than these other guys that are kind of mid-tier options that I just don't really trust that much. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I think during the playoffs or toward the end of the season when he was beasting, I I said I can't wait to take Camilo Duvall in the second round or whatever. Yeah. I think I did the same tweet. I'm before. surprised the price hasn't gone up any more than it has. Like I really thought. I know. I be, thought he was going to be gross. I thought he was going to be going around like the Will Smiths of the world and things like that. But for you know, to fantasy community's credit, they have not pushed him up insanely it's just i don't know i don't want to invest in someone i don't know is going to be the closer and that's the issue with the ball yeah and that, that's that's the biggest thing right now that i just I, we, we can't promise that by the way i did a similar tweet last year for um sixto sanchez like when he was popping off and so i just have to stop I, thankfully i didn't hurt camilo duvall but like every time i say i can't wait to draft these guys way too early uh they they end up Oh wow! I didn't see that. Sorry, I didn't see that. Gerald Williams died at fifty-five years old. That's mm-hmm. brutal. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Camilo Duvall. Uh, I was joking, thinking that he would be super, super expensive. He's actually been pretty fairly priced, and yet yeah. I tend to agree with you. Where I don't think I'm really diving in on this pool of closer either. I like so many of those starters that we just talked about. They're all going around him, and I, I want to have somebody before we get to that group, and then I think I want to go play in the later tiers as well, similar to you, maybe not the exact same guys, but those same types of guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't, you know, some going to close in San Diego. Could. He should. He'd probably should. be a good closer. But they might just sign somebody and kind of keep him as a starter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's going to be it. We hit the time. We hit the time goal. Um, without even we even with tangents even we were able to even mm-hmm. have some tangents and we hit it but justin great speaking with you about these potential leapers and ozzy albies as a first rounder let us know what you think on all that y'all ozzy albies you taking them in the first round who do you like to make a big leap and would you take any of those closers hit us up on twitter at justin mason fwfb at spore and we'll be back later this week justin take care take it easy